Praise the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Welcome to the Bible study for tonight. Um, trust that everyone is fine and our day has been great. I welcome you again to another fellowship together um, of the brethren. Um, I believe tonight the Lord will strengthen us in faith. I will keep us in His love as we continually see the day of the Lord approach. Um, Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some, um, so much the more as we see the day of the Lord approach. Um, tonight I want to welcome you and let you know that it is always strength when we all come together in studying the Word of God and growing in the things of the Spirit. The Bible says that they went from strength to strength, every one of them appearing before the Lord God in Zion. They go from strength to strength. Tonight I pray that the Lord will, will multiply our strength in the Word, multiply grace unto us in the name of Jesus Christ. That in this, in this, in this world that we find ourselves Though we are in the world, but we know that we are not of the world. Amen tonight. And so we come together every evening to, to, to behold the face of God and study his word and know his mind and be able to overcome all that comes our way. Hallelujah. Um, tonight we are going to be exhorting ourselves again together. Um, so much the more, so much the more. And see the approach now. Hebrews ten twenty five says that um, um, we not forsake the gathering of ourselves. That means we must do everything in our power to come together for the studying of the word. And when we come together, we are coming together to exhort one another, to charge one another, to teach that we might gain God's knowledge and receive strength and guidance, so that we can live as the true light and the true sons of God on the earth. Hallelujah. I'm so glad again in my heart. I've been praying in my heart, trusting God in my heart to bring you the word tonight. It's always a thing of joy and pleasure. Like I always say to you, the more I study to teach, I read my Bible to get edified, the more I'm, I'm joyed. The more I learn, the more I yield to God. And I believe as you also listen to me and go back again to study, the more you also learn to yield, the more you also joy. There's a joy in scriptures, I can tell you that. Um, but sometimes you will not know until you, you go and delve into it. Praise God. Going in, in, in deeper. You know, I was telling my wife just before we began this teaching or this meeting this evening, that I often hear the word digging deep. But really, there's no digging being done. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just the, the normal routine in the church. But tonight, I want to assure you by the word of the Lord that we're going to go um, uh, um, a, a, a deeper again today in the word of God. Because we can't really exhaust God's word forever until Christ comes. We will keep looking at the word. And the word of God in every generation is the fulcrum on which every lasting revival, every lasting change in the church is, is hinged on. And a people or a church that is weak in the teaching of the word will be weak in the power of God. Will be weak in every area. And God wants us to be prepared and set our hearts as we as we as we delve in to studying and growing and becoming that which Christ will want us to be on the earth. Hallelujah tonight. Praise God. There's victory in the word. There's grace in the word. There's power in the word. There's wisdom in the word. Everything that we need for life and godliness is in the word. Proverbs 4.20 My son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my sin. Incline means deliberately paying attention to my word. He says, keep this word. He says, he says, let the word not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all the flesh. Hallelujah. They are life to all that find them. All that find the word. Amen. That means it's our duty to do what? To find it. 
The Bible says it's the honor of the Lord. Proverbs 25 verse 2, it says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the honor of kings it is to what? To find it and unravel it. The Bible says in 1 verse 5, and say, Christ has made unto us priests and kings unto our God. So it is a, it is a honor for us to find the mysteries of God, which hitherto for he has already revealed them to us in his word. Therefore, tonight, we're going to dig a little deeper and enjoy the blessings during the life in the word of God. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you again this evening. We rejoice at your word because indeed we found grace for Thank you for the mystery of your revelation. Thank you because your word is life, your word is power. By it you sustain the world, by it, by it you made the world. All things were made by you and there was nothing made that was made by the Son. And by the Son you uphold everything on earth. Hebrews 1 verse 3. John 1 verse 3 and 4. And to the Lord we've come to behold this wonderful word. I pray Lord to end of transformation. There will be victory, deliverance, strength, and health. Understanding, wisdom, knowledge. Our hearts are made ready. We have the victory in Christ. The victory that comes only by the word and by the spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God tonight. Hallelujah. Um, this evening, um, I... You know, I want to trust the Lord to help us and help me as we um, look again into the Bible. We've been taking our Bible studies um, from the book of Romans. We began, I think, the 13th of, or the 3rd of March. Uh, we began these studies in the, on the, uh, the 3rd of March, 2022. And today we are in May. Um, still studying the Bible. Uh, you know, I know of, of, of I had a story of, of a preacher that preached in that book of Romans or Job, I think it's Romans or Job, I won't know either way too. He preached from it for 23 years straight. And um, I can assure you that he will have preached every part of the Bible from taking just one book. You see, when you, when you, when you are doing uh, an in-depth Bible study, no matter the book you take, you will get across all the essential, the fundamental doctrine in the Bible. And so, as we've begun to study the book of Romans, we've been seeing the beauties of God. I've been enjoying myself in that sense, getting the word of God like you also have been doing so that you can be strong in the things of God. But while I, I was looking at starting chapter, um, chapter 8 of Romans and verse 1, I did it necessary a little bit to, to have a short um, um, detour to, to take a little teaching on um, biblical textual studies, um, an aspect of bibliology. Um, another aspect of biology is humanetics. That means the interpretation or the meaning of words in the Bible. But I, I, will, I, I thank God for how it's led us, but it's important because of the things we'll be discussing from the book of Romans. There's so much in Romans chapter 8, so much to glean, so much doctrine of the faith that we have to learn. And um, the reason I'm saying this is because um, of the thought I started on, on Tuesday. Um, there are many versions of the Bible that we ought to understand in our quest to get the, the, the thoughts and the hearts of God. There are many Bible translations that are paraphrases, that are not translations. Now, I know that means to you because it affects the overall um, 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 understanding. You know, there are some Bible versions that you know you, you might hear the word justification used. It's been it's been it's been changed to a, a more modern modern um, you know it, 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 a paraphrase has been given to it. Some versions you you, you find the word 
sin used as entanglement. You find the word sin being used as infraction. And when you do that, you, you, you are losing the essence of, of biblical doctrine that we teach for the furtherance of the church from generation toward generation. So there must be a careful attention paid on this. In fact, uh, um, you know, you know, a version of the Bible in, in interprets uh, or translates um, um, f- uh, the, the, the phrase um, 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 people that sit down as in, in Psalm 1 verse 1 as, as, as um, the dead saloon. What the saloon? The ungodly. The scornful. Now this can be appealing to the ears, but is ultimately dangerous for the furtherance of the doctrine of Christ. Now some of these versions can be read, you know, as not as a primary source of knowledge of the thinking and the mind of God. But some people have taken it as their primary source of knowledge. Now, I'm, 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 I'm going to be going a little deeper so that we can understand and, and be able to know what our place is and then what the Lord will have us do. Now, let me say this one as I start. That truth actually matters. You know, I was talking about this evening that we have been trained to be very lazy Christians. In fact, we have been fed with milk all this years, and the milk is, is, not even, is not even the genuine milk. Nobody wants to really find out and study the word of God for themselves. People don't read, not to mention studying the word. And it says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, it says study the, to, to show yourselves approved unto God. In fact, in 1 Timothy 4 verse 13, it says, Until I come, give attention to what? To read it. In fact, in Luke 5, the Bible says that Jesus stood up and read in the temple the scripture in Isaiah 61. And when he was done reading those scriptures, he said to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. That means Isaiah, as written in the Bible, is exactly what was written in the old time. And Jesus referred to it, the same scripture that Jesus Jesus quoted in the same Isaiah that we are reading today. Praise God that God's word has been preserved for us even until this very day. Someone say amen tonight. Truth is important and doctrine of faith also matters. It is on the doctrine that the faith is hinged. Lack of the understanding of biblical doctrine renders us, the church in general, ungrounded in the truth and so jeopardize the continuous transmission from age to age, the truth of God. When we study the Bible properly, we, we, we study the, the, the theology and the practice and the doctrine of faith. And therefore, and therefore, folks, therefore, folks, it's important. Any translation of the Bible that paraphrases and not translates from the original manuscript that is a paraphrase is injurious overall to the continuous sustainability of the faith. Because in paraphrase, the doctrine, the essential teachings of God is lost. Is reduced and is watered down, and that's why we must, we must begin to critique and ask questions: Which Bible should I actually have? Do you know today in the world there are over a hundred Bible versions, and 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 nobody cares to 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 pay attention to which version should I use? There's a loss. In the world today, of the essential doctrines of the Bible, doctrines of justification, of the atonement, of grace, of faith, sanctification, redemption, and holiness, most of the paraphrases 
don't use these words anymore. In fact, some people was offense. Some people don't use the word blood anymore because blood is offensive. Blood portrays death, and 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 don't offend the, the, the sensibilities of the 21st century creation. But they forgot that Jesus Christ said in Hebrews 13, verse, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and world forever. So it's our duty as the church. Now, hold on. Why did I go through this road a little bit? Because of what I'm, I'm trying to teach from Romans 8. Because it's very important, but a proper foundation should be laid. And in fact, I should have taken a, a series on biology proper, but it will take me another time. So let's 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 do a little that can help us right now. I'm not I won't say this exhaustively, praise God, but it will be enough for us to hold. Like John said, there are many things that Christ said that if we write everything, the whole book will not continue. But these that are written are written that ye my word believe that Christ is the Lord. And in believing, you might be saved. Amen tonight. And so tonight we'll be continuing and then looking at some fundamentals as we make progress in the teaching. Now, why am I, you know, helping us in this direction? Or why am I teaching around this line? One, so that no non-believer points out this fact of, you know, you know the, 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 the dichotomy in translations. And now weaponize it against you and you don't have proper answer for them. Because there are people out there waiting to prey on the ignorance of the church. And, and guess what today? Many churches in our time don't even understand the dynamics of textual write-up. And therefore, men are confused. We, we just take anything that comes our way the way it is. So first, the church should mention it. And that's why as a pastor, I'm opening up to you. And I'm going to build up tonight to a point where we can safely move on. I'm sure and I know by the help of God, no one can deceive you. No one can talk you out. No one can. Rather, you have enough word. You, you have enough grace, enough revelation to tell the world exactly what the Bible is. Because the Bible is the absolute, untainted, unblemished word of God. For all scriptures are written by the inspiration of God. For no man of his own willingly spoke, but men of all spoke as the Holy Ghost did what carried along with them. First Peter 1, 16 to 20. And so, so we know. Second point is this. Why am I saying this as a build up? So that you can easily and readily give an answer to anyone that asks you one of the explanation of textual variants, two, addition of words, three, the reason, all right, that scribes give when they add some things to scripture or write in the translation that we may understand the entire gamut of scripture. Now, there are different kinds of translations. Why are some things different? One, because of the translator's intent, because of the available manuscript at the time of translation, and then the motive of the translators. These are very important as I build up tonight. So, let us um, take a cue as we move on, and I want to take Romans 8. But before going there, I want to let you know that over history, the Bible manuscripts have been so attacked. In AD 70, AD 70, Emperor Titus Vespasian Augustus attacked Jerusalem. And destroy everything in there, including everything about the Bible or the, the text or the manuscripts he could find because Satan was after it. But thank God that that, that the Bible um, um, is you know you know at a time was written 
you know, you know, you know, in, in papyrus, in, in scrolls, and it was scattered around the world. In fact, it was in three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. In Alexandria, in Egypt, in Tunisia, in Carthage, in Libya, in Ethiopia, there were, there were scattered several of the copies written by scribes for people that needed it. And so, and so when, 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 when Emperor Titus invaded the temple in AD 17, he disappeared. At that point, he even sacrificed a pig in the altar to desecrate it. In AD 175 BC, Epiphanes Antichus IV also destroyed the temple. And these are historical facts. And burnt, in fact, burnt every available scripture he could find. And sacrificed and destroyed everything in the temple. In AD 301 to 304, Emperor Diocletian burnt. Now, these are different times. You see, 70, 175, 300. So the onslaught to mop up and destroy has been from beginning. But thanks be to God that is been preserved. Because the same scripture in Isaiah that Christ read is the same scripture we have today. Hallelujah. And what did he do? He burnt every copy of the Bible he could find. Every manuscript, every scripture he could find at the time. And gave order that anyone that is found with a scripture or money in his house, burn the house down and burn the occupant in the house. And then he did one last thing before he died. He built a mausoleum and to his own end put the only copy of the Bible left in the whole world and kept it there on that guy. That he that told every Bible has the word destroyed. But when in 325 to 3. 30, Emperor Nero came, sorry, um, um, uh, um, um, Constantine came, he lifted the persecution and in fact sponsored about 50 books of the Bible to be written so it, it, it can start spreading. At that time, it was very expensive to do, but thank God that scribes began to bring everything heard from different areas and they began to transcribe. Sometimes only the book of John, sometimes some chapters, but as, as they are thinking, some else will come from some else with a the chapter they found. And then when they put up all this together, it formed the Bible. As I speak to them, there are over 25,000 today in the world, mostly of the Bible scattered around museums in the world. When you take those manuscripts from, 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 from a thousand to years ago, and put it with what we have right now, they are 99% accurate. But now, having said this, there are, there are a few things that influence the scripture. And I want us to know that in our hearts as we go on to study the Bible. You know, I said, sometimes what is the motivation for, for, for writing the Bible? Sometimes the first thing is for money, because the the, the publishers, see, Bible is, Bible is the best selling book in the world till today. So every publisher wants to write its own. And so, and, 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 and then once you read Bible, you, you just gather some, some set of, of, of scholars and, and, and they will write. So because of money, sometimes you find Bibles around. Two, because people want to introduce new teachings, they sit together and write their Bible. Three, sometimes because there's a change in language of words. So to make it um, 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 acceptable in the, in the contemporary, the, the, that was generally revised standard or revised version or revised edition. Why? Because when the word changed, now in the early times, the word conversation means life, it means lifestyle. But today it means, it means, it means discussion. And so you find in some Bibles today, you find some words that has not footnotes. They will tell you these words means this in the earlier manuscripts, praise God. So that you will know exactly what is transpiring. And then lastly also, what makes some things come to you is the discovery of all that materials. Amen. Now before upon this evening, let me say this to you that when King James was written in 1611, it was based on about six Greek texts or manuscripts that were available to Erasmus. 
That was his name. But you see, when he began to write these things, he wrote based on the materials he had at the time. But in history and antiquity, when other new ones were or like earlier ones were found, he compared with what he had, there was no significant difference. But a few things that were omitted here and there. So, so scholars began to write new versions based on what King James has written and what they found out and they made newer versions, but all still reflects what is written in scriptures. But there must be an interest here that we must note and note that each denomination has its own Bible and then we must be careful what kind of Bible we study. You know, the Catholics, they use the, the new revised standard version, Catholic edition. If you get that version, you think it's the same Bible you are, you are reading. But when you read through it, certain doctrinal teachings in the ancient scripture are missing or some things are added. So don't just walk into a Bible store and just pick any Bible. Was, don't tell them, I want Bible. Say, what you want? Give me anyone. No, it can't be anyone. You must go in mind to pick a particular one that you know was translated based on the, the extant word for word of the manuscripts of ancient texts. And which we have today in abundance in the world. Thanks to several archaeological discoveries of texts. The Protestant churches, I mean that Pentecostal, Anglican, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, and others, they use essentially King James Version or New King James Version or ESV or the New um, um, uh, uh, American Standard Version. Now, if you ask me, Pastor, which ones will you see for today? Uh, I thank God that someone called me and said, Pastor, I, I actually went to buy a, a, my Bible today, King James Bible, and I said, praise God, that the one of his message I've thrown away. Well, I will come there. There are times you need to throw some of those things away, but let me get it this evening. Now, there's a Bible called the New World Translation. It is the Bible of the Jehovah Witnesses. And it's called Bible also. But what is the difference in this one? You know, one thing that's dead, typical is this, that Jesus is God's son, but not part of a trinity. That Jesus and Lucifer before the fall were siblings. And this is a core belief of the Jehovah Witnesses and this is in their Bible and that's why when they come to you to preach they don't open Bible have you observed sometimes that people now not for anything preaching this that most times in Catholic Church they don't preach as if it is in the Bible it is what the father wants to say he comes to say no we must go to because when you start looking that there are many things you read there that will be strange to your ears and yet it's Bible so the New World Translation is not a Bible that you should read. There's a book or Bible called the Book of Mormon. Now this is called the, the Mormon Bible. The word Bible of it, but because it's carrying the title Bible doesn't make it the Bible you should read. Why? Because the, the essential of our moving as believers is hinged on our knowledge. And I've discovered today in our world that the church in the last hundred years has been so lazy in digging and finding and teaching the truth of God's word as is found in scriptures. There's a Bible called Satanic Bible. It's there. But you see, it's called Bible, but it's not Bible. It's a compilation of books of magic, of 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 of, of metaphysical um esoteric issues and magical powers, but it's called Bible. It is done by one man called Anthony LaVey in 1969. 
So if you walk to a store in America or UK or Canada, that one Bible, they'll ask you which one do you want? Is this a Lutheran Bible? Or so there are all kinds of Bibles. So you begin to ask yourself, which one actually should I read? It means you can't just pick any Bible so-called to study. No, you must find out which one and why should I take this particular one. There's something called the Mirror Bible. It's in the world today. It's uttered by somebody called Francos Dutoit. It's very sweet. But underneath the ideology of it is that he's a universalist. It means his teaching in that Bible is that Christ did not come that some may be saved. In fact, everyone already is saved. That is theology. And the Bible is so sweet but dangerous. There's one called the Message Bible. It's written by somebody called Eugene Peterson. Who is he? If you read it, the idea behind it is he has paraphrased the scripture that every, every, every reasonable doctor of the Bible has been lost. You can't really learn anything from it to grow your spiritual life. When you read it, it will sound good to your ears. It's pleasant to the ears. Good to the eyes. Able to make one wise. But it's death. Now, of what use is this? I will tell you. There's one called the Passion Translation. They're all Bibles. But if you don't dig deep, you won't find out now, the reason people don't know is because people don't study for doctrine and life. They study just to gloss. Nobody in our age wants to sit down and, and take concordance and, 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 and read different texts and, and, and combine scriptures. So our life is well formed. Well formed and well grounded. That a man of God may be done, done what? Totally furnished unto every good work. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 17. God wants to be, to be grounded and we must understand why am I doing this translation and what, why is this one dangerous to feed on? You see, the man that was talking about, his name is Brian Simmons. The Bible, you see, both mirror, message and passion are not translations. They are paraphrase. So in paraphrase, you lose the import, you lose the sense, you, you lose the thought to the thoughts of the people paraphrasing it. So what you are reading is somebody's thought about the word of God. Why will I stay on someone's thought rather than going myself to the actual word? Okay. Let me run. In fact, he said, before he wrote the Passion, that he got an instruction from Jesus in a revelation. And he met an angel called Passion. That is that angel that revealed this mystery to him. And that there's a book in heaven that hasn't been written yet. It's called the book of John chapter 22. John ends in chapter 21. He said the angel showed him the book. So there's a book that he wants to add to Bible coming. These are evidence in videos. Is there. So we must be careful. And it says, this angel revealed this to him and then he's to come to show us in time to come. So these passions or these translations are, are, are suspect because scripture is complete. But he says, there's something coming that he was want. But passion, believe me, is sweet to read. But what is the motivation behind it? Before I go on this evening, you know, I believe some of you who start this research, who is Brian Simon? Who is, who is, who is, who is, who is, who is Francois Dutoit? You see them. These are individuals who claim they had revelation. God gave them special knowledge of Greek and Hebrew to translate the Bible. No, they paraphrased it and put in their ideas. So it's dangerous for us to eat what they say who let us sink out without knowing the truth of God's word. So paraphrase translations, church, like passion, message, should not be the foundation translation you use for study. But if necessary, as carry-ons, having, having a, a proper foundation, I said the word, if what, 
Let us read. But if possible, you can do away with them totally. If you need to find a, 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 a version that can that is easy to read, you can go for the Living Bible or the, the Amplified Version of the Bible. Do you hear me that, church? If you're looking for the easy one, please take the Living Bible or the Amplified Bible um, um, translation. Now, what are the ones that I, I recommend for us to use? Now, King James and New King James and the, and, the, and the English Standard Version and the New American Standard Version of the Bibles are the ones that are trans, uh, um, uh, 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 the, the translators actually used word for word. That means they went to the to the to the Greek and the Hebrew, and it was done word for word. It wasn't a phrase for phrase or, or thought for thought. It was word for word, and that's the reason when you see some 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 person of, of in King James, you find it. Some of them are are in italics. So you know when they are adding something to make sense. So when you see some things, you know that in the real translation or in the older manuscript, those words were not there. But it doesn't take away from the meaning of the word. It still passed across the life of God. Amen tonight. Now these things, of, these thoughts are important as we, as we begin to study. Because if we don't understand the teachings of God, then how can the truth of God continue in the next generation? Because if Satan succeeds in infiltrating the ranks, the next folks, in fact, because those who are younger, they will like more of the easy versions. And so the nuance, the doctrines, the teachings of the Bible will begin to fade away. And I find that in our generation, many of the church children and believers will be made so lazy in studying the word. How many of you have concordance? How many of you have studied the Bible and checked three, four, five translations and see how the word was translated? What does it mean in the, in the language it was written? Now, I'm not saying go and be a scholar, but you must learn to start doing that for your personal growth and development. Tonight, as I began to start this teaching this evening, I went to look at 2 Kings, please have a talk with you tonight. Chapter 2, 2 Kings 2, verse 19. 2 Kings 2, verse 19. Now, why did I go there? Because of the paraphrase versions of the Bible and how we should treat them as such. Not as authentic, but as carry-ons. But if possible, let's do away with them. 2 Kings 2.19 in KJV says and then and the men of the city said to Elisha behold I pray thee the situation of this city is pleasant like the, like, like the writings of message is pleasant you know it's good it's sweet it flows and, and as my Lord said but the waters is not and the ground word barren now notice that it says the land or the city is what is pleasant, but the water is not. It's barren. Now, the word barren in King James, if you look at the footnote and the, and the text, it explains to you that that word barren, is, it can mean two things. Praise God. Now, in my study of that scripture tonight, I had to read over 29 different Bible translations. On that same 2 Kings 2.9. 19. And half of it referred to that word barren to mean animals miscarrying. My Lord, you can see the, the land is good, but the water is causing miscarriages. The other half talked about it as, my Lord, the land is good, but, but it's, not, it's not productive for crops. The land is unfruitful. Nothing grows. So, one refers to it as on crops, another refers to it as what for animal miscarrying. In Exodus 15, the same word used there is the word shakor. 
It means he said, he says, and none shall cast their young. The same word used there. But you see, in studying or in translating, both scribes and translators sometimes use their judgment to find out what exactly will this mean. But in the overall setting of the scripture, whichever one they use in that context actually won't take away from the from the truth being passed across. Now, I'm sitting to let you know that there's a great deal that goes on in what in Bible translation. So don't just walk in like there's not a stake. All things are stake in the particular version of the Bible that you are studying um, um, for your growth. Now, as I start this evening, Romans chapter number 8 verse 1. When you look at some of the verses of the Bible, the B part is not there in the, in the endless manuscripts. Like I told you that King James of 1611 and of 1756, that's the version of the In fact, that's what we have right now. Came at an earlier date. But from the from 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 sixteen upwards, men began to find several older manuscripts that actually did not contradict what King James used. But there are a few things they saw. Oh, these are older ones. And when they put both together, they found that some verses or some lines are not in the old ones. But if you look at King James. Why did they put those lines? Is because they found those things in subsequent verses. So to make sense in their in their minds, let's add it on. But when you look at the 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 margins and the footnote, it will be told you. So when you read the Bible right now, don't just read blank. Check the margins. So the Bible you are going to buy to study must have margins and footnotes to show you. If anything is added or removed. Now, when you read King James Version, sometimes you find some words in italics. That means the word is not straight, it's slanty. When you see such a thing, they are telling you that while we are translating, we added this word to make it readable. But in the earlier manuscripts, that word is not there. So that you know when reading. For instance, First Corinthians 14, everybody. From King James, let's see tonight as, as we go on. First Corinthians 14. You know, tonight I'm trying to trust the Lord to help us be begin to take interest in Bible. First Corinthians 14, verse 1 of 14. I read. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. You see the gifts there? The gift is not in the right font, it's italicized. It means in the earlier version, gifts is not there. So it should read, follow our charity and desire spiritual. But to the translators, they must be gifted. Why? Because when you read downwards, it becomes the word gifts and gifts. But if gifts is there or not, it doesn't change the meaning overall. So that someone doesn't tell you, your Bible actually, it has something. No, you tell them the reason is so. Now, some people change an entire chapter, an entire line, entirely, because they want to alter a thought and pass across a teaching or a doctrine that is contrary to Bible that they are holding. And that's why you don't just buy any Bible version at all. But given the whole gamut of scripture, there's life in it. No matter what man does to, 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 to bring in themselves into scripture, God has preserved his very word. Christ said in Mark 13, verse 3, he said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one jittle, not one jot. He's talking about the lecturing, praise God. The, the full stop, the comma, is there. Like he saw it, like he said it. He says, none shall pass away. That means Christ is committed to the written word. In John 6, he says, the words I speak to you, their word, their spirit, and their life. Guess what? Spirits don't die. Hallelujah. That means scripture don't die. God has a mind to transfer scriptures throughout all ages. And it's the Bible we have today. It's for doctrine. It's for life. It's for study. It's for grace. 
said in footnote three that the criteria to being a pastor must be he must be teaching he must be apt to teach. In fact, when Christ gave the command, the command in, in, in Matthew 8, it says, Go to the whole world and make disciples. That would be his pupils and enroll them in the school of discipleship that you may teach them. No wonder in Acts 19, from, 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 verse, from, verse, from verse 7, when Paul came to, to Ephesus, he met those 12 believers those, and asked them, I believe because he said, No, in other words, and when he preached, many became hardy and he took those 12 men in a school of Tyrannus. And for two and a half years, every day, they kept discussing. The Old Testament scriptures and how the gospel grew. The reason the world is not growing in our world today because the church is no more studying the Bible. There's no Bible teaching, there's no Bible studying, there's no Bible living, there's no exegeting scriptures, there's only exegeting scriptures. People read themselves into the Bible rather than allow the Bible to speak for itself. Romans. Eight, verse 1. If we go by the amplified version and the extant copy, it will read thus. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Full stop. That's the elephant script. When you understand it this way, it begins to Lay the foundation of biblical teaching. Now, if you add the word, but after or add the word, who walk not out of the flesh but in the spirit? In the first value, it doesn't is scriptural. Because you find that same word in verse 4. But if you take it this way, it is telling us that our not being condemned is not based on the finished work of Jesus, but on what we are able to do correspondingly with him. Amen. And that's why this is important for us in studying. For there's therefore now no condemnation. Now it didn't say no accusation, but it says no what? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is important vis-a-vis -vis what we read in chapter 7, where Paul began to talk about the struggle between the old and the new. The things he wants to do, he is able to do it. The ones he that is not willing to do, that is doing it. He said, but thanks be the God who has what? Delivered me and rescued me. Therefore, there's therefore now, no what? No condemnation. Galatians 5, Paul says, from 16, he says, for, 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 for the flesh and the spirit are opposed and they are what? Contrary. You see that? So, but in this, in this very state, we are yet what? Justified. So what he's saying here is this. The token of justification. How is a man saved? Because this is very important. Because Paul is laying what? Doctrine here. A man is saved not by what he's doing or what he's able to do plus grace. It is not those who walk and the grace of God that saves. The grace of God saves us in Christ apart from the works of the law. Amen. But that grace that saves us apart from the law commands us now after salvation to work right. And so if one is not careful, these thoughts can be misinterpreted. And so men begin to struggle to walk to salvation. Now, let me say this tonight. What this means is this. Works plus faith equals salvation. But salvation is equal faith plus works. And so, we are moving the, the two points of salvation 
and works to different tangents in the spectrum. Looking at scripture, overall, the plan of God for redemption is that salvation is the work of God and after men are saved and justified, that grace commands them to begin to do what? To live right. They don't begin to live right and then God sees them, okay, now you are qualified because you are walking not by the flesh down, but by the spirit. Now I can now save you. No, it is not that. It is the, the ability to walk right comes when God saves you because we were dead in sins and what? And trespasses. So no one of himself can truly serve God. And this is the good news of the gospel. Amen tonight. Philippians 3. So that I'm, I'm not laying foundation because by next class, then we can build up our own. Philippians 3, lesson from verse 12. Paul said, Not as though I have already attained, either we're already perfect. Now, this is what Paul said. So, even at the state of redemption, Paul is saying, I'm not perfect yet. I've not even attained. So, if you put this to that scripture, that means something is, is not aligning. Here again. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend for that for which also I am of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark. I press toward the mark. This is not like a set of somebody who's already what? Perfect. But yet, he's redeemed. Hallelujah. And this is the gospel, this is the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Amen tonight. Titus 3, everybody. Titus 3. Titus 3. We'll read verses 4 and 5. Amen. But after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. Now listen to that. Not by what? By works of what that we have done, but according to his word, his mercy. Now, his mercy means is 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 overlooking the things that we require in judgment to save us. Praise God. So he's not looking at the things you have done, but his mercy is the token, his mercy is the tool, his mercy is the prerequisite for our redemption. So no man can boast about what he's doing. Alongside with the grace of God. Hallelujah. Well, because this is important for us to teach and we understand properly. It says, But according to his mercy, he what? He saved us. Now listen, by the washing of his generation and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Amen tonight. It says, For by grace you are what? Saved. Hallelujah. There is therefore now no condemnation. And this means that though we are saved as believers, there are many times we are still prone. And if we are, if we are, if we are basing our redemption on how good we are to be saved, we will live in perpetual frustration. But God says, I have saved you. By my grace, not of works, Solomon boasts. But by the token of my grace, as you yield and lean on me, as you yield and lean on me, mother word, you progressively crucify the flesh until one day the flesh will fully lose his grips. So the doctrine. That Paul is, is teaching here is a doctrine of justification by faith. But when you read further, for everyone who is justified, they also live to glorify him and please him. We don't come to Christ by our works. Don't preach works-based gospel. If you do well, you do a little bit, he might save you. No, he, he Bible says, for while we are yet without strength in due time, while we are yet unqualified in due time, 
he died for the ungodly. So our redemption is not based on what we do. But once we are saved, that salvation begins to command us to live after him. And that's why this is not what gives full liberty to sin. If anyone sin on this basis, then he hasn't known him. If anyone sins continually, habitually, rejoicingly, then he hasn't known him. Now let me close. First John. First John. First John. Uh, chapter. Chapter 3. Let me read from verse 4. Or from verse, from verse 1. I'm going to close. Because the understanding of this. Is a proper basis for us to continue to the other teachings in Romans. You know, when a man lives upon the truth of God's word, he sets his heart to rest. And as you begin to study the Bible deeply, you start looking at your concordance, at your footnotes. So you start gaining the truth of God's word. So no man deceive us. So no man deceive you. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be. But we know that when we shall when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that had this hope in himself does what? Does what? Purified himself. Even as he is pure. Whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifest to take away sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abided in him sinned not. Whosoever sinned had not seen him. Neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is what? Righteous. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and are the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth nor his brother. What is he saying here? The root of sin is being destroyed. No one who truly has God in him, continually, habitually, intentionally, continuing sin. For the seed of God in you begins to compel you. There will be a weakness in your spirit. There will be logic in your heart. There will be pricking in your heart. There will be a weakness in your heart that this is wrong. And as you begin to study the word of God and pray and, and, and become accountable, it begins to give you the strength and courage to overcome it. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Not on the basis of what we have done, but on the basis of what Christ had done. But having done all that for us, there's a demand now on us to live and work right. Now, this is important because it gives us the root and the basis for redemption that is not a works based redemption is faith based on what Christ has done so I appear before the court the atoning sacrifice is Christ the offense is not being cast away is punished on someone 
For he made him who knew no sin to become sin. That we might become. There's an imputation. Not because you are so good or so right. In fact, you are very dead. I was very dead. But Christ, but God imputed our sins on Christ. And Christ took the word, the vicarious punishment. That we now might carry his own word, righteousness. Which comes not from a law or a work. But purely on the magnificent grace and the care of God. Praise God tonight. Hallelujah. Every religion, people are trying to please God and are trying to get to God. But in Christ, God came down to us. What a testimony. What a thing of joy. For God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. He came down before you could have life to know him. And so, the penalty, the punishment, the liability for our sin was placed on him. He took it. No man can pay. Nothing is strong enough for us to offer that can take away sin. Song Sammy Song. What can take away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The gospel is not on miracles. Come to take your miracle, but first give your life to Christ. That's not the gospel. Oh, he will give you, he will make you happy and, and, and make your best days to come. That is not the gospel. It's based on the sacrifice of Jesus. For the works of sin is death. And all men have sinned and are liable to death. And all men are on their way to hell. That is the gospel. But Christ has come as a mediator. He has taken the pain, taking the offense to himself, that we might come to God presented and washed in his blood. There is nothing we need to present to him other than faith in what he has done. That is the gospel of the church of the New Testament. And this is what God wants us to know. And we ourselves may rejoice in this knowledge. And know indeed that we are saved. For right now, folks, there is therefore now no condemnation. Let Satan not condemn you. Don't condemn yourself. And let no one condemn you. But as you stand uncondemned before him, walk as he is pure. For he himself is pure. Let us pray. Father, thank you tonight for this thought. Lord, I know that you are preparing your people. But Father, we present this word in faith. Lord, strengthen us in your truth. Help us become stronger in faith. Eating meat and strong bones. Making us your light indeed. And your salt indeed. Lord, equip us that we may teach the truth of your word. And one more time, O oh God, your word will know the truth. And the fate of men will not be or be placed on man's wisdom, but placed on the power of God. Lord, thank you, Lord, because as we study on our own, Lord, you give us revelation. 
and cause us all to mature. Lord, we are not deceived by any human being. But on our own volition, we dig deep into your word and rejoice. Lord, give us strength, Lord, in our inner man to love you. Give us strength, Lord, to live like you. So it can be said of us, as you are, so now are we in this world. Give us strength, Father, to live above the flesh. The flesh will die. That righteousness may prevail. Everywhere we find ourselves. Let your word spread, O oh God. Let your gospel spread, O oh God. Let the truth of the kingdom be preached. That men might be saved from the shadows of death. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God tonight. The Lord bless you all. We want to see you again on Saturday for prayer meeting. And on Sunday to church and Tuesday we will continue from where we stop tonight. God bless you all. Have a blessed night rest. And like I said, if you have any question, please feel free to message me or call me. We'll have time to discuss so you can know better and be assured in the faith and hope that you have in Christ Jesus. God's word is sure. God's word is truth. His word is active and living. Good night. God bless you all. In Jesus' name. Amen.